Welcome back to another episode in the off-season of golf. There's no better time to talk about this part of the game, the mental difficulties we all suffer, the slings and arrows that golf sends our way, the chaos, and who better to do it with than my longtime podcast partner, Timothy O'Connor, Coach Tim. I'm golf spiritual leader, Humble Howard, of course, uh, Humble and Fred show. And uh, we'll get to our uh, guest here in a second who's just chomping at the bit. I mean, seriously, he said, I've got an hour, but we've got to get all he's got to say into about 25 minutes, which is not easy because saying hello to this guy, that's about a 10-minute process. Uh, yeah. oh, hey, Coach Tim, how are you, man? I'm really good. I'm really good. I got the sun streaming in on me. I may have to change my blinds a sec, but I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm still basking in the post-master's bliss of yeah. watching DJ win. We'll get into that. We'll get into that, but first let's get right into uh, a friend of our program. Both of us have worked with him uh, not only as a guest, but uh, he's uh, helped us out in our game. He's widely acknowledged as one of the top skills coaches working in elite sport today. Uh, ability by worth. I'm sorry. <laughs> worth. Ability by worth. Ability by birth. Skill by work. Dr. Ed Collin is with us today. Hello, sir, and welcome back to the program. Hi, Howard. Hi, Tim. Thank you very much. Uh, it's always always a highlight uh, uh, to, to speak with you guys because you guys seem to bend my thoughts in ways that others don't quite. Well, we, we, we've got a lot of thoughts that bend and uh, meander, and uh, you're the best guy to have it. Uh, Let's get right to it. I mean, I, I, I know we, we've spoken to you during the uh, pandemic, but just give folks a sense of where you are and uh, and how things are where you are. Yeah, um, I'm based, my, my day job is as a lecturer in skill acquisition in the Department of Sport, Leisure and Childhood Studies at Institute of Technology, which is down the very southern coast of Ireland. And we are currently in national lockdown. Um, we're in level five, which means that we're limited to a five kilometer limit. Most sports have stopped. Underage sports can go ahead, but it has to be non-contact. And schools are going ahead, but all the drop-offs are very coordinated and timed and so on and so forth. Uh, pubs are closed. Hotels are pretty much closed, apart from a couple of stipulated ones. And it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult because the, you know, the, the global pandemic is, 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 glo- is, is that. It's global. It's everywhere. So we're hoping that we're, you know, we're behaving and we're following the guidelines as best we can so that hopefully in, Two more weeks, we'll come out of it, and and hopefully have a good a good December where people, you know, will 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 be able to enjoy some elements of, of, of December without it. I had a question, I because we we're we're in various stages of lockdown where we live, depending on where you live, like where Tim lives. I think there are, you guys are a little little less restricted. I live right in the city of Toronto, so it's very very restricted. But I had a question: Did is all golf stopped right now? Pretty much, yes. So the you're allowed coach if you are able to. Uh, you're allowed coach if you are able to uh, um, abide by the social distancing regulations. Okay. Um, you are not allowed play unless you're an elite level player, and then even for those people, they need to still abide by certain restrictions. So all, right. all club golf and competitions and practice is all off. Absolutely all off. Coaches are able to continue to coach, but it is again under certain regulations. Yeah, very hard. Gosh, that's um, it's pretty harsh, man. We just went through a season where we had unprecedented demand for tee times. People couldn't even get on the courses, and but our season is coming to a, to a close now. But people have been playing this. We've been blessed over here. Yeah, but what now, what what Ed's talking about? That just happened in the UK like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's pretty. That's fairly recent for you guys, though, isn't it? Yeah, now the UK are in a far worse state than us. Okay. Um, yes. Oh my word, they are in serious trouble over there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, hey Ed, we've got Ed, we've got some neighbors near us here that are in yeah. some serious, <laughs> ser- yeah. in serious I mean, trouble I know, too. I I I know I I I I we we know, um, but it, it is a remarkable act of of weak leadership and what it can do and how it can spread because yeah. they our neighbors. Are in they're in they're in very tough uh, p- position over in England, Scotland, and Wales, um, and Northern Ireland. Even even just over the border at the top, 
it's there are far greater cases than ours and so on and so forth and which is having a lot of difficulty for those border counties and the like so that's uh, very challenging very challenging it's um, at the end of the day the only reason we went back into national lockdown is because people took the foot off the pedal mm-hmm. it's as simple as that when we were following the regulations during the summer and people were abiding by the regulations it was we were flattening the curve like every other nation in the world who were following the regulations as soon as we lifted it was like this giddy you know we all became, it was just ridiculous absolutely ridiculous you're thinking hang on no, no, it hasn't gone we just we're, we're being allowed to open up again so long as we abide by the regulations and people just threw cautions to the wind and within six weeks we were back in lockdown or something great week yeah we've seen yeah. a similar thing here uh people i think it's just kind of covid fatigue and i was talking with uh basically my boss at the university of guelph in the athletic department there and he can just see that this lockdown and the stress of it is really starting to affect a, a lot of his people. He's seeing it in uh, lack of attention. They're just tired, kind of cranky. And so, how are you seeing that playing out? Say with with uh, you know your colleagues at the university and and your athletes and the people you work with. Yeah, I said, interestingly, so our our college, we've been very fortunate. The the people who run the emergency, kind of the, the health side of the, the college here in Cork Institute Technology have been world class. And it is very refreshing. We, we've been, we were doing things before any of the other institutes were doing them in universities in Ireland, which, which was at the time we were thinking that's excessive. Why, why are we under? And they were like, we want to open up in September. And we're going to open up as if it's level five so that no matter what happens, we're going to still be able to deliver content and our students are going to get contact with us for practicals and labs and online for lectures. And, and at the time, for those first few weeks, we were thinking, this is crazy. We're excessive. And now it was incredibly, it was fantastic leadership and great and showed great foresight because we're still, we're still delivering content. We're still being able to do practicals and labs, and we're still being able to do our online content for lectures. And we're abiding by all the regulations and the sanitization procedures and everything, which is great in that regard. And to the other space, the coaching space, it's been very tough. Oh, my word, it's been really, really tough because um, the tours, the respective tours, because there's so much travel involved, they had to be... They had to be strong in their decision making, and for 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 the vast majority of them, they wiped out the season and just stopped. And that stoppage caused major strain on people more than anything else psychologically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, and 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 then the made the bigger the tour, they were able to reopen. Yeah, Early, the PGA and the European Tour, the two biggest tours in the world, they opened. But they were able to open because of the resources. Well, I was going to say that the, the bigger tours were able to open, just like the major sports in North America, because they have the resources to take care of it. But why don't we we, we have a, only a short time with you today? So let's get right to where I wanted to start with is you know Tim mentioned people being cranky and affected and and distracted. You know, there's a lot of parallels that happen in life that are you know metaphors for golf and vice versa. But let's begin in a, maybe an esoteric uh, vein. But what can we learn as human beings in the way we're reacting to this sort of stress that we're all feeling all the time? How can we re- re- relate that to, you know, what we do as players and how we handle stress? And are, maybe there are none, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm thinking you might see some, some parallels. Uh, I've seen huge parallels. In fact, uh, the one of the things that one of the terms that's being used on the tour at the moment is you have to go into the bubble. Okay, so the players arrive at an event, they get tested, they get screened, and so on and so forth. They have to stay in isolation until they're cleared, and once they're cleared, they go into the bubble. Once you're in the bubble, you cannot leave the bubble until the end of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So even if you miss the cut, you've got to stay in the bubble until and so on and so forth, right? And what was happening is people felt very constrained by the bubble. Oh, we we can only eat with our caddies for this week. We can only go to the restaurant when at at our allotted time. We can only 
you know and I was thinking you know having to, having to speak, speaking to some of the guys was like it's so it's so constraining I feel I feel tight I feel locked in I feel like I'm not in control and I said okay so that's and I was saying and one of the discussions we were having was well that's because it's dictating to you what you can do right now the bubble is wagging the dog's tail and not you and I was saying, so what we've got to try and do is what, how can we make it that you feel like you're having a full day but that still happens within the bubble so that you're not feeling constrained by anything and I think that's something that I would have seen even just outside of the pro, spe- pro, pro sports space is that people when we get and that, that tetchiness that you were talking about Tim it's because we feel like when we're kids again don't you know, don't eat that croissant on the on the counter. Oh, all you want to do is eat the croissant. I want to you know you know don't touch the glass. I want to touch the glass because we just cleaned it. I want to touch. So that we all come, we're brought back into that space of don't do something, which then makes you feel like well, it's like don't think of a pink elephant. We're all thinking of a pink elephant. So it was to try and redirect some of their thinking around that and to work with them to thinking okay, well. If, if the limit of what you're able to do is up to, let's say, uh, you can only go to 50% of your ability. Well, let, let's, let's create loads of tasks that are only at 40%. So it means that we're never even getting close to that 50 thinking, oh, I want to do more. No, no. Let's, let's develop tasks that are working at 40%. Let's, like, if, you, if you're only allowed to stay there for an hour, well, actually, you'll go in there saying, well, I, I only want to be in here for 45 minutes. Not wanting to be in there for t- thinking, I'd love to stay here for two hours and have to be kicked out after an hour. No, no. Yeah. I'm actually only, I, I only want to go in here for 45 minutes. Always, you know, you know always feeling like you're missing out on something. Timmy? Yeah. So what? leave, leave before you, leave before you are to- you're told to leave, mm-hmm. then you, the control is still with you. Sounds like, uh, what, what do they call this? Making a, uh, a purse out of a sow's ear or something? Silk purse out of a, yeah. uh, a sow's ear. So, it sounds to me like, Ed, what you're doing is you're using this very unique opportunity to to have some connection and some learning with your uh, players that really wouldn't be possible in kind of like normal times, if you would. Can you give us another? Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, at hundred percent, that's happening. In fact, and um, because I work with guys who are able to stay on plane, who, whose tour has kept going and players whose tour were shut was shut down and, and and then only came back for a couple of events and so on and so forth let's say and we we have in, in all cases used as, a, as an opportunity to do some retrospective healing that's what we've kind of been chatting about you know? <laughs> uh, to go to go back what, what what are the what are the behavioral things that keep coming up in comp- competition yeah. Oh, you know, what are the things what are the triggers that seem to arise consistently okay well we have time now can I can I go back with you and find what may have been the original source of that or the repeated source of that 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 still seems to be an apparent behavior of yours today and if if we find something well then let's go back and let's deal with that back there so that everything then from there to now will also feel different because we'll have actually healed the original wound Whereas if the wound stays unhealed, it's still it's it's always going to be there waiting for someone to just open it up very easily. You know, one of the tenets of any therapy, uh, psycho or other, is that uh, the sort of at the core knowledge of knowledge is curative, and and even if it's knowledge of you know how this scar tissue around you being whether it's a tournament player or just an everyday golfer because you know an average player listening to this is like well how does that impact me but even a 15 handicap goes to the golf course carrying the baggage of all the rounds they've ever played you know all the slings and arrows as i said at the beginning and that's an interesting way to sort of deconstruct where you were that got you where you are Absolutely. It, there is always, always a thread. And if you're patient enough and, and you've the time enough, like we have now, and it's been afforded to us by the pandemic, to actually go back and slowly unravel the thread, because it's going to get crossed over at times. To actually, okay, actually, we got to get this knot. I, don't, I, don't, I want to make sure outside, the other, outside this knot that I am actually still on the same thread that I'm on now, and I don't get taken off on another thread. That we have this time now to just sit with each other and chat through things and go back as far as we need to go back and take as long as we need to and some instances and 
other things won't take as long. And, and oftentimes you'd be amazed or not surprised, as the case may be, we find these things are actually all linked still to their golf. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's in their golf that these things come out. Yeah. They, they don't come out in other facets of their lives. But it's at that point where they're probably most vulnerable when you know, you're competing for your livelihoods that these things rear up. Oh, absolutely. That's why golf is such a, an incredible metaphor for life. You know, we just show up our, our frailties, uh, the, the things that we really excel at come through in golf in, in many ways. But what we're getting into here is like very deep psychological stuff. So I think that so our listeners, to, uh, to help them understand how this connects to golf, to me, this is connects to uh, a, a concept that Carl Jung the uh, Swiss psychiatrist came up with is called shadow. And those, those belief systems, those messages that come up when I screw up, let's say someone can't get out of a bunker and they say, I'm a bad bunker player. That's a, that's a, that's a message they have that's connected to all kinds of stuff. Um, same way someone think, well, I'm not very good at sales, you know, or, you know, whatever. But Ed, maybe you could make uh, an, ex- if you give us an example of, of how, those shadow messages, those beliefs, those things, how they've affected, say, a player that you've worked with, how does that show up in, in his or her golf? Yeah, I, I think there's other terms that I've used um, that are similar to that shadow is this kind of confirmation bias that they'll find in themselves or a self-fulfilling prophecy. They'll have an idea about a type of grass that they play on. Oh, it's cocoa or it's, you know, savannah or whatever type of grass that they're playing on that day. Or oh, these are bent grass greens or oh, I, I don't put well on them. And, you, you know, and you're like, well, hang on. Can, can, can we actually just dial it back there and identify why you think you can't? And then you might find, well, it was actually a, an event where they three put at the last, you know, to miss the cut. And that's what they still carry with them, even though, well, hang on a second, that was... That was one, one, one green. There was other places in that round where you <laughs> had right. a couple of good puts that you, you didn't you three five. Yeah, exactly. And but again, it's 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 that, like you said, that shadow. There's there's something hanging, or, or and again, that shadow. Oftentimes, if the sun is, if we're walking towards the sun, the shadow's behind us. It's it's always behind us. You know, you mean it's in our blind I mean, spot. We don't know it's there. But, and that's and that's the point. We we attribute the problem to something that is in our blind spot and you're thinking well hang on let's normalize this can i go back with you and what like what what about this green what about this kind of grass what about playing at playing at altitude or playing at you know um a very uh, you know a lynx course you know and again we see this in other we see this in other sports like pete sampras was one of the first that i saw the the, the phenomenal tennis player back in the the late in the 90s and the like he was saying when he first got to Wimbledon, the grass. He was like, "This is not for me. Mm. It, it's, it's unfair. You you can get slidey bounces. It can bounce and skid. And it it checks up. The, the 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 court erodes over the over the fortnight. This is not for me. I, I'm I'm a purist. I like." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he began to realize, as Tim Gunnickson said to him, "said It's not it's not the court. Can we just get beyond that? It's right. You know, you've got to." You, you're here with 163 other guys. There's 164 of you at the start of all of this. Just, you know, let's take a, take a beat. Well, in, in, uh, in golf lore, it's, you know, quite legendary that the first time or two that Tom Watson played Lynx golf, he hated it. And it wasn't for him. A lot of Americans in the early 70s, when they first started coming over to play the British Open, you remember when they called it, called it that? He, he famously wasn't a fan of it. A lot of them weren't. It wasn't through the air. It was bumpy and, and rough, and it didn't look like their version of a golf course. And then Watson somewhere accepted that this is what he was going to do and won five of them. But on a more sort of, you know, less, you know, making a living at golf and making cuts and and shadows around your professional life. You know, a lot of the people that play just on the weekends, they have them too. They have them about certain holes, playing with certain people. You know, so, you know, you know, I used to joke this golf course I play at, and Tim knows it. It's really windy. The first couple of years I drove there, every time I went, is it always going to be windy? And, you know, <laughs> and then I did. And then finally, I, you know, I sort of gave myself a slap and went, learn how to hit the ball lower, you doofus. But sometimes it takes a while for us to kind of, 
you know, Timmy, you do this with people. You kind of get through all that nonsense, nonsense to get to the point, which is acceptance and presence. And, and when you're in the moment, you don't see the shadow behind you. You're just looking into the sun ahead of you. God damn, I'm on fire today. That was really good, Howard. <laughs> this is what happens when this is what happens on my regular show. I have to get up like at four o'clock, but today I got to sleep until six. I mean, this is uh, you're sharp. <laughs> you're going. It's like it's like a conversation Tim and I had a, a, a while back, where I was talking about a, 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 a comment from Michael Gervais from the Seattle Seahawks. He was talking about the importance of having your mind and body in the same place at the same time. It's really hard to do anything if your body is in one place, but your mind is thinking ahead or thinking behind you. Can you actually, and, and that's for the club player listening right now. If you're over a golf shot and your mind is not where your body is, which is focusing on the golf ball, then you are immediately reducing the likelihood of you making the kind of contact that you'd like to make. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're thinking of the, 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 the where the bunker is, where the water is. You're thinking of the, the, the last hole that you three put it, even though you don't have a putter in your hand right now, in the middle of the next fairway. Your, your mind is not where your body is, and that is an immediate performance limiting factor. Yeah, I'd say. Well, so much of what this is related to is, is trauma. And that's a, a people yeah. like Blanche when they hear trauma, golf, are you kidding? But it's all <laughs> relative. You know, whether you got were in a car accident or something, but if you three putt the last green to lose and there's a bunch of people watching, you there's an emotional impact. So the next time you're in that situation, those emotions are gonna come up and the thought train's gonna leave the station. So it's how you handle those moments, whether it be shadow or those or those traumas, if you will, because they have an impact unless you're able to kind of put put the emotion aside and take the learning, and as Howard said, and you said as well, is be in the present moment rather than allow yourself to kind of be transported back to that trauma because you'll be right back there, man. You know, Timmy, I, 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 to- I wanted to say this before Ed jumps in. <clears throat> I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, um, there is, and I'll say this respectfully because Tim and I have both uh, met you know, soldiers with real PTSD, that golf tournament we played in. When we, yeah. So I say this oh. respectfully. But golf creates some some post-traumatic stress syndrome at a very small level, but it all adds up. It's this bag of, you know, stuff we carry with us as golfers. But it, I, and I, Tim, I love that thought. It comes from minuscule traumas. You know, death by a thousand cuts is golf. I think I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I do think there's a role for both coaches in this space to be better but also fellow golfers to be better for their fellow golfers. And I mean, what I mean by that is all too often in some of the stories that I've engaged in over, since, since this hit in, in you know, what, February? Yeah, February, March. Some of the stories that I've been going back, these retrospective chats with players, oftentimes it is because a coach didn't step up, didn't step in to share the burden, to take even the burden, to even soften Soften that moment. You know that 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 losing a match on the final hole, and there's devastation being felt, a trauma as you call it, Tim. And and then you ask, okay, and, and what your coach at the time, and how did how did you discuss it? We we, we didn't. And you're like, I'm left. Hey, flabbergasted. I'm going to interject. Know? That's life, man. People don't. When you get into that area of high emotion, people went, oh, don't want to go there. Leave that shit alone, man. But that's exactly where you need to go when exactly. you've got an upset with your teenager or your partner or colleague at work or in golf. The gold is in those moments because if you Absolutely. don't excavate and go out with it, that doesn't go away. That doesn't. I love go that. Away. It I love that down word. There and at and 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 at the moments of high stress and and fear and that. That's when they come up, and that's when. And if you haven't dealt with them, you're not in a position to 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 be able to perform or respond in a way that's going to serve you. You're going to be dragged right the half back. And and that really connects to a lot of what we're seeing outside of the world of golf. You know, I spend four days a week 
You know, I don't know if we've ever talked about what we talk about on my, my, you know, radio show, and it's a comedy base, but we spent a lot of time talking about the pandemic, talking to politicians and talking to people. I had a guy on, uh, in uh, a couple weeks ago, Tim. He's the leader of the anti-mask movement in Toronto, <sighs> and he's batshit crazy. Of course he but, is. But I gotta tell you, listen to this guy rant at us like it was like from the Trump playbook. Wouldn't let us talk, didn't want to have an interaction because, as we said after, if he'd stop down to listen to any of our points, he'd have to consider them. But the, but they don't want to. Mike, I'm, what I'm getting to is this. Where it all comes from, and, and I mean this about the pandemic and people's reactions to it, is fear. They're just afraid. That guy, the anti-masker guy, the the people that are saying it's a hoax, what they really are is afraid, and that's how they express it. They don't know that, maybe, but I think you guys know it. I agree. I think, and, and if I may, to go back to one, a word that Tim said, excavate. Mm. It doesn't need to be an excavation if you deal with it early. You can then just brush like an, like an archaeologist, you just use a, a little gentle brush if you deal with it early. If you deal with it later, you're going to need a shovel. And later again, you're going to need a digger. And later well, again, you're going to need a drill set to get down there. Well, I'll tell you what. After this 2020, the planet is going to need a big excavation. Because I'll tell you, there. You know, I see it. I, I live in a, a city, as I mentioned. And I so I'm in a cityscape. And I see it all the time, the way people react, what they're what they're constant it comes from the fact that there's this kind of level of stress and fear that goes above that's that's there now and it's been there since march and we don't even notice it anymore yeah and the problem is that people won't people don't want to to go there if you will yeah. in 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 our in our society today particularly for men don't show your weakness mm-hmm. no you can handle it i'm a i'm a marlboro man i got this because if you show your weakness, you're you're going to feel shamed, and that's all like an internal bullshit story you got going, anyways. You're Tim coming with the foul language today, yeah. right on, Tim. <laughs> oh God, it's a podcast. Tim, Tim, Tim's God say, I Tim, 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 just it's a joke. Just re- it's easy, buddy. I'm not tr- I'm not attacking you. Okay, there's no. God damn it! Um, I, I, I was witness to some of the best coaching I've ever, uh, and and it, this will sound a little funny the way I actually tell it, but I because I, I, I spoke to other people about this, and it's to use it almost as an example because I will use it in the future as an example as well. Uh, a, a coach who works with um, a golfer got in touch with me and he said, I, "I want you to speak with my player," and I was like, "All right." And he was like, "Because." I know from the things you you talked to me about, and I know from talking to a couple of you know a player or two that you work with, that you do something that I I don't do very well, and I I, I feel like right now uh, he needs someone who's able to go back with him to come forward, and I was like, cool, and in that moment I was like, you're a world class coach, because there's so many coaches would not number one call another coach, mm-hmm. right would not recognize that that's, this is a blind spot because there's things that he does that I'm, again, and we would lean on each other quite in. 100%. Bit. But it's, and I, and I said it to him, I was like, wow, that is, first of all, what, a, what an unbelievable honor to actually be able to come into a little situation just briefly to trigger a few chats and whatever else and then remove myself again. But I said to actually hear someone say, I, I, I need you to come in here because he's he's really struggling with the idea of Rules, regulations, you know? He's, he's, he's a maverick, this guy. And he doesn't, you know what I mean? And I, and, and it struck me in that moment. I was like, wow, I hope that there are other coaches who are able to recognize those, those situations because I think it's more so than ever before. We need our coaches to be really aware of number one, their own blind spots but also of what their players may be going through at a time when it's so, so challenging for them. And that goes right through the, the spectrum from the club player to the pros. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, a phrase I've been using since February is is the parts of what's going on. There's there's the silver linings COVID playbook. <laughs> and I think that there are there's good things that are coming out of it. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, their lives are just... You know, torn asunder financially, all kinds of things. But there are some good things, and I think that one of those is an understanding that with all this stress, 
that we've got to up our game in terms of our emotional literacy and knowing what's really going on and understand what we actually feel instead of pushing it away. So it would be fair to say, Ed, that in that situation you just described, this coach saw that perhaps you were more emotionally literate and had a skill set that you could go into that place that he perceived as scary. Yeah, that's probably a fair point. And it came out of us. As I said, we talk a lot. We share a lot. But And I, and I'd say, I was talking to him about some of the things I was doing. I was like, you know, I had, oh, what a chat. And this is, it's gone. We've gone in a real deep dive. And he, and he I remember one day, and I, I, and I probably saw it coming, but I didn't realize it at the time because he was like, whoa, I, I don't know. Have I ever gone that deep with a player? You know? And I was like, well, I think, you, 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 you know, if it presents itself, you, you gotta, you know, that type of way. But again, it's just, it's just out of, our own experience of being able, but also, and I, let me go back to that point about for players for them to themselves as well, club players to club players, you know, for our not coaches to players and players to coaches, but for, for ourselves in golf, especially, we are we're criminal at it, you know, in the car park after, uh, the car park after round, even pre COVID 19. If you play well, you're looking for people to talk to. That's who right. To, who can I talk to? <laughs> how, how did you play today? Because you want them to ask you back, you know? Yeah. And then if you don't play well, I hope my car is near the clubhouse. <laughs> That's so true. I'm driving home with my golf shoes on. Yeah, you're, gonna... you're basically in your car waving to people as your buddies yeah. are still coming off the course. Yeah, I got to go. It's very important. I cut the grass today. And you don't and turn think, the radio on. And I think That's right. You can drive home this, in silence. <laughs> when we come home out of this, I think we need to be better for each other. We need to be so much more understanding of uh, of those conversations and and be the first person to ha- to shoot. You know, if you're playing off five and shoot fifteen over and come in and be like, "I'm going into clubhouse. I'm going to sit down." You know, it's and interesting you say that. Um, make it easier for people to talk about it, because I'm going to talk about how poorly I played today. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked a lot over the last four years doing this show, and we've said some of the same things we're saying today in, in different ways, and that's part of the fun of doing it. But I, I, I think a lot about reframing. I know that's a fairly hackneyed phrase in your worlds, but when you reframe any experience, then you can find out that you know, that the person was just kidding or that, you know, maybe the event you're entering isn't that isn't that important. And I, I had spoken about Tim and I both played in a tournament together about a month ago that is usually played in May and they played it late in the season. And it was a very difficult golf course. He, he and I are both like 120 some odd years old and we were playing a tournament with a bunch of kids at. At 7,000 yards. No roll, wet conditions. It was insanity. Now, you know, we both had pretty high scores for our handicaps, both of us. But I, I will tell you that my framing of that event was so different. I went to this beautiful place for the weekend with my girl. We were staying in a nice little bespoke hotel. And the golf was just the golf. And I remember leaving there thinking, man, if I'd ever shot that score at any time since you guys have known me, I would have dragged my entire golf bag down the 401. But but I was, and I remember saying to Rachel, that's her name, I said, you know, I just want you to know, and she, by the way, this is a great little pro tip for you guys. I said to her, little pro tip, I said, by the way, this weekend, it's not about the golf, honey. It's about you and I. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. I'm like a plus five boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, but it would happen. The, the, the real joke is it happened to me the truth. Like I knew it. Yeah. I know that golf course. I've played it in tournaments before. So I, I was just so light about it. Because I'd made that conscious decision to frame it in a way that that made sense. Well, that's that's about Ed. That strikes me as that's about intention. Yeah, it's what it's all about. If you take a kid that's fishing, it's about being with the kid fishing, not right. you catching a fish. So, right. how does intention? Although, just between us, guys, some fish was caught that weekend. I won't lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, 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 Howard, I heard you have a very big nest. All You're right, now, big. easy. I'm Listen, if the next person who says Rod is completely... <laughs> okay, okay. But I think, but I think I, what I like about reframing, what I really like about reframing is that you can go back to a situation and reframe it for how it's going to impact on you. But sure. also, sure. you can do that even ahead of time. And Muhammad Ali used to talk about uh, his future history, you know? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, which is already going to attune me to what I want to happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to knock you out in the fourth, and in the first, I'm going to hit you with a right, and then in the second, I'm going to hit you with a, with a combination, and then in the third, I'm going to hit you with an uppercut, and then in the fourth, they're going to beat you. And then, of course, the guys come out in the first round, he hits him with a right, and the, the opponent's like, oh, he said he'd do that. And then the second round, he hits him with a combination. Oh, he said he'd do that, too. Oh, my God, what's it? what else did he say? He said he's going to hit me with an uppercut in the third. He's way, you know? But that's... We, we can do that for ourselves, too. How do we actually put forward our future history to help us to attune to a better picture of what it might turn out to be? It already puts us in a positive light, because then even if it doesn't, I'm thinking, OK, well, hang on. I still have my I still have my best picture that I'd like to draw here. Yeah. So what you're doing, in essence, is creating your future. Hmm. So you're not dragged down by the past because the brain is a past based repeating machine so if you don't create a future you're kind of doomed to 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 recreate your past and we don't that's not what we want we're always looking to move forward in our lives in our golfs same thing Absolutely. and i think that's one of the key, key things again with that mind and body in the same place it enables you to actually be in i know in a sport that we don't talk about this a lot but reactive to actually react to what's Justin, what's in front of you right now? What's what's this shot calling for? Well, if my mind and body are in the same place, I'm of much greater likelihood of seeing what the shot is that is in front of me and reacting to that shot in the here and now. So, so Ed, we here in Canada, uh, it's, it's winter's coming late, but it is coming, and the golf courses that we play at are officially closed as of this Sunday. So, okay. of some of these things we're talking about. What would you suggest are some of the things that our listeners could do? What are some practices they could get into over the winter to help them uh, groove some of these practices we're talking about? Well, I suppose I think one, a big thing that I see as it's not so much if you can't play golf, you can't play golf. But what are the things that that are synonymous across all types of athletic movements? Let's say you know, are there indoor are there indoor sports that people engage with in in Canada that will can keep you sharp you know well, curling has you, a lot of beer drinking right. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 again so it's not even it's not <laughs> about how many you know being able to swing a club off and then so on and so forth because maybe you're you're only swinging a club into 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 a net in front of you two meters two two yards in front of you and stuff but it's about trying to see well what are the things that I like to do in a golf course I want to be a good problem solver and I want to be a good decision maker okay well what are the kind of other things I can do that I'm going to be finding myself during the winter solving a lot of, lot of problems and having to make a lot of decisions they don't all have to be this very golf specific thing. We can do an awful lot of things that keep us still feeling like I'm engaging in something here. I'm mm -hmm. interacting with something here. I'm reacting and, and, and responding to something here. And I think that's what sometimes we, 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 we don't do enough of that stuff. Well, Dr. Ed Collin, uh, thank you so much for your time. Another lively discussion between the three of us. It's always. Always good. Um, and and I, I'm delighted to hear that your boyfriend handicap has gone to plus five. Oh, my right? God. Like, I, uh, I read that. Re that should be my webinar. Like, seriously, <laughs> that should be my webinar. Uh, anyhow, well, my, thanks, guys. Uh, doc, uh, always a pleasure. I'd love to catch up with you. You know, we haven't really spoken for a while. Uh, how do people, if they want to follow you, it's Dr. Edward Collins, C O U G H L A N. Don't say the S, yeah. he'll punch you in the face. Dr. Ed Collins dot com. Yeah. And uh, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on yep. Twitter. That's, that's that's the main place, really. I, I go on Twitter every Friday for about an hour or so, and outside of that, I leave it alone. I leave it alone. Listen, all yeah. the wise advice. All the best yeah. to you and your family, and I uh, hope things start to uh, clear somehow after we get through this winter. Yeah, and uh, and have uh, more opportunities to speak to you in the future. Thanks, Doctor Red.
stupid. See you guys. Yeah. All right. Bye. See you later. T- Tim and I are going to continue Swing Thoughts Nerds. Um, you mentioned that it's the uh, end of our golf season, and uh, today I'm—I um, don't know about you. I, I can't. I was going to say I, my, I've hurt my shoulder. Oh. I'm uh, doing some physiotherapy, but I'm so bummed because my golf course, Glen Karen, is, and I think is Blue Springs still open or is it? Did they oh, shut? Closed yeah. So Glen Karen, Rattle, and a couple others, Hidden Lake, are the still West, open. Yeah, the West End, yeah. The West End ones, yeah. And it's uh, it's going to be like 14 degrees today, and it can't play because it can't really lift my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, well, you you recall my uh, my golf injury? That was two weeks ago, Thursday. And uh, this no, was I your leg. Down after that, I, my leg's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, anyways, uh, no, I, I shut it down. Then I just, the, so the clubs are. Did you miss are, out on the seven day? Summer 2.0? I did. Oh, buddy. I got a great story for you. Did I tell you about the story I played with the guy that freaked out? No. Freaked out. Freaked the F out. It was... You know what? And For someone like me that has done that, it was great to watch. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. It was. Do tell. I'm trying to think how I could tell this. I don't want to say the guy's name, but he's a really good player. Do I know him? I will tell you. <laughs> you, you, he's not one of the Glen Karen guys. Okay, but I think you might know him. Anyway, he's a guy that uh, you know so much about what you you were talking about. Um, the really, I'm going to have a good think about it today. The excavation of your. You know, looking inward and, you know, I don't think a lot of people do that work for themselves. That's why a lot of people should go to therapy, obviously. But um, this particular person is one of those people that uh, we could do an entire show on, you know, his golf mentality. Because he's like a plus one handicap-ish. Zero plus one. But he doesn't like to play in tournaments. And he's a guy in his early 60s. Oh, I, I think I know who we're talking about. And um, because posting a bad score is anathema. You know that word? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That means it's completely in opposition yes. to how he wants to present himself to the world. Something or someone that one vehemently dislikes. It's one of those words you never say out loud, but you yeah. read. Yeah. So... And as we've discussed for four years, part of being a, a golfer is posting your score. Just that example Ed said about guys have a bad Saturday at Hustlers, myself included, and I want to get the F out of there. But this particular person plays with a bunch of people, and they all, I, I'm, I, I'm going to tell you right out loud, they give each other putts all the time. It's really weird. So I have a one handicap, and so when he and I play, it's kind of a tradition, he gives me two shots. And I can tell you it's been a couple summers since he's beat me. Hmm. But he st- but I still get the two shots and he doesn't like to he doesn't like to have he, he I shouldn't say this. He can shoot in the sixties. Again, they give each other a lot of putts. But when I've I've never seen anyone where they as soon as they start to have some poor holes, you know, just bogeys and things, other than myself, <laughs> I've never seen anyone go south. But but I haven't seen this behavior in myself for a long time. So we're playing. This is now the 20th of November. This was no more than 10 days ago. Playing in a match. And I'm, I'm telling you, I played great. I made three birdies and an eagle in the first 10 holes. Yipes. Yeah. And I'm getting one aside. So I know that's <laughs> that had to be annoying. I get Absolutely. that. I get that part. Yeah. That had to be annoying. And then, uh, and I, by the way, I ended up shooting 73 because I just started on this kind of bogey run that I couldn't get off of. Anyway, but about the fourth last, but I can tell you it was a beautiful day. It was 20 degrees. Guys are wearing shorts. It's, I got lucky one. Lucky to be alive. Lucky to be alive. God. And we're all just having a great time. And on the fourth last hole of the day, 
he uh, hits it a little bit right of the green on a par three, and he's, he he gets into a difficult lie. And I'm listen. I've I've now started making bogeys. I was at one point two under, and now I'm eat back to even. So I was like, well, there it goes shooting sixty seven. So no big deal. Yeah. But I look over, <laughs> he sees his lie. Like he just walks up to his lie, and then I sort of turned away to mark my ball, and then I saw him take. He was carrying. He's carrying his clubs like that bag you have. That nice one. The Jones bag. Yeah, like that type of bag. He takes it, and he just dumps his entire bag out. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. That's like a cartoon. It was. Like the fourth last hole on a day that might have been the second last of that stretch. Like, it was beautiful. And we're playing for nothing. I mean, we're playing for 20 bucks. Like bragging rights. But he takes his bag and just super dumps it. And then, uh, I'm going to tell you something he said. And I, and I listen, I can tell you, I know people think I'm more sarcastic than I am. But in that moment, I felt, obviously it was hilarious, but then I felt some compassion for the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the other two people in the group were all kind of like feeling uncomfortable. So we're sort of walking to the tee. And, you know, we've been sort of, we do this sort of back and forth about who's one up, who's one down, whatever. And I just sort of quietly said, I said, uh, hey, because uh, I didn't realize the level of where he'd gone. I said, uh, hey, Sparky, you're uh, you're one down. Just like that. Didn't say it in a shitty way. And he goes, don't fuck with me now. I went, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We're, we're deep in it then. And, exactly. Uh, don't, and that was the, so we played uh, one, two, four more holes after that. And uh, he didn't talk to us for a couple holes and then came around and apologized and it was all fine. But I thought, wow, that is such a, a great commentary about this game, because on a on a on a on a round in November with four holes to go, he dumped his entire golf bag out by, on the edge of the green. And that's what we're dealing with here, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're well, dealing with. You know, you know what? I'll use that as a a, a connector to, to to Dustin Johnson. Yes. So. So Dustin Johnson, you know, amazing, amazing how, you know, he, you know, Mr. Chill, people say he's got ice in his veins, all that, wins the Masters with five strokes. And some people say it was boring. He was robotic. And I went, you know what? Those people don't know what about what we just talked about. Golf, as you said, I love that word that you've used before. You're like... I don't care if you got a five-stroke lead standing on the 18th tee at Augusta to win your second major. You're this close to chaos. I mean, <laughs> That's right. You're just, always on the edge. Because golf can do that to you. You think of, like, the psychic scars that a Dustin Johnson has. Yeah. You know what? Leading in, in, leading in four majors and he didn't win any of them? The ground under repair one or the uh, – I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the bunker that was a bunker that he didn't think was a bunker, you know? All that stuff, you know, and, and, and the, the three-putt three to, putt lose, to lose. I mean, speed. come on. You want to talk about scars. You're right. Yeah, so this is what goes on in golf. So so your buddy Sparky. Yeah, Sparky <laughs> lost his mind. Like, he's responding to some past shit that's gone down and that, as you said, that's a complete anathema to how he wants to be seen in the world. Great. Mr. Competent. All that. That's it. And, and you know, I heard this uh, quite recently, actually, but it applies to the rest of the game as well. And the, the quote was, if you want to be a pro golfer, you've got to be comfortable with a certain amount of humiliation because you're going to get some. Tiger and, on 12. Well, let's get to Tiger on 12 to finish off because I got some... Uh, as you know, I love Tiger. And Tim and I were, Tim and I were texting back and forth during the Masters and uh, we both were quite impressed with Tiger. But I, I was going to say before that, that what were we just talking about? Uh, Sparky's implosion, uh, the way you view yourself. Uh, oh, the Sparky's way we view ourselves. You've got to be comfortable once in a while shooting eighty-seven. You know, like we. I I, I didn't get into the the or the early bird or the late bird, but you know, <laughs> you know your score and my score. You know, you can really if with the wrong framing, you can really. You know, make that a, a terrible thing. Like, I I was so happy that weekend. You know, I was with Rach, and we had a great time, and it was fun and everything. But I didn't, you know, I tried. I tried my best that day. 
And uh, but I didn't make it like I didn't go home because I have been with her for four years now. And there have been rounds of golf where I've gone home from the golf course despondent. You know, we oh, were in absolutely. we were in Victoria. I'm playing in the Canadian Mid-Am on a, one of the most beautiful golf courses I've ever been. And I shot like, I don't know what my first round score was, like 85 or 86 or something. And that's the that's around I had 42 putts. And I wasn't much fun to be around that night. I mean, it was a dick. Not to her, but just like I was wearing it. I'm here. You know, it was humiliating to me, I thought. But, uh, but yeah, that day, we that weekend you and I spent in St. Thomas had nothing to do with golf for me. It was just like a fun time to go and hang out with my girlfriend. Yeah, well, I, you know, I guess we could also connect this to Steve Yellen a couple shows ago about can you play with a 10 level of acceptance? Yes. It doesn't mean that anything goes. This doesn't matter. No, you've you're one handicap because you've invested your time. You're competitive. You want to play well, but at a certain point, you practice this. You know that if this crosses over into you know I made a triple here, you're not going to empty out your golf bag. No, it, because I, I, you're going. That's a great you, thing. A plus ten level or a ten level of acceptance slash. But I think I, I would take away from this year and over the arc of our four years is that as a golfer, you need to learn to not take golf so personally. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's a thing. I think that's a whole area for you and I to explore because it's it's in the taking it personally who we are as you said that guy doesn't like to it's who he shows up as a golfer right how could that guy ever shoot 75 well so what you had a bad round who cares yeah well that i was actually thinking about that um during the masters is that the only way so again let's let's focus on dustin johnson here so as as i said earlier four times he had the lead going into the final round of a major and didn't get it done so how so? If he didn't handle that the right way, reframe it as how as um, Ed said. It, like if he just can't be allow that stuff to just say that was then, this is now. If you can't handle that in a in a healthy way, how can you even pull the trigger? How can you even pull the putter back? Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, because you could make up the story around all this. Well, I guess I'm doomed. You know, um, but no, to play at that level, like look at even Rory, it, all the stuff that he's been through. Um, but there he was, he shoots a 75. Uh, well, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you could say, there goes my shot at the Grand Slam. Uh, but there he, he's able to just come back. He's lighter. He's able to just kind of go with the flow, and he made a good run at it on Sunday. But that's all around their abilities to to accept things, not identify, not to think that they have to 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 project on the world that they got they got it all handled. You know, we should do a show once. Um, I've written it down because I, I don't want to. We're gonna only going to do another uh, like another seven or eight minutes. But we should do a show about how your shadows, mental shadows, can af- can can affect the shadows in your golf swing. And what I mean by that is oh, yeah. the golf game, the game is uh, full of stories of professional golfers and a lot of amateurs too, I'm sure. But famous professional golfers that got the driver yips, the chipping yips, the putting yips, and you know, famously. Ian Baker Finch won the Open Championship and then couldn't find a fairway yep. to save his life. He, you know, the famous story of being on the first tee at St. Andrews and hitting it left of 18 out of bounds. Like, you just have to have ever... Just go Google that. It's crazy. But that's that's something mentally that affected something that he thought was disconnected in his physical motion. Yeah, and 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 uh, think of in the opposite way how Bernard Langer came back from a debilitating case of the yips to win the three match. times. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Because some people crawl, some people excavate their way out of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they and, don't. Maybe they don't take it as personally as the rest of us do. Well, I think that's the key. That's so much of this is is 
it, it's not about you. Yeah. It's really not. Plus the fact, to keep another swing thoughts mantra, no one cares. No one cares. If Tiger Woods never hit another golf ball, never played at another tournament, although he just announced he's going you know, to yeah. talk about the soft side of Tiger Woods. He's playing the father's son. Who would have ever thought that would happen? Well, his kid's a player. His kid's, kid's a very 30, good player. Kid shot 33 in a junior tournament. But the kid's 11. You know, Tiger's doing this for the funsies because he's not waiting yeah. until he's old guy age. He's like, yeah, let's do this now. When I heard that this week, and this was, I guess, a, a day or two before we recorded this, I just laughed because I thought, you know, there's the the softer side. But oh, yeah. but Sunday Love at it. the Masters, if I might say, one of the most impress and I you know, I love Tiger like, you know, like a religion almost. And one of the most impressive <laughs> things I saw and I think it's a great takeaway. Even my daughters could relate to it because I was telling them about it and I said, you know, one of the most impressive things was that because on a Sunday at a golf tournament, you know, it doesn't, I mean, obviously it means a lot to him, but at that moment, the tournament play itself, when he makes that 10, he could have just parred in or made a couple bogeys or birdied 13 and parred in. But there's something about the guy, and I think that what we saw Sunday will just add to the legend of him. 100%. What say ye? Oh, I, I, I think exactly. I think it was amazing. I actually wish that CBS had shown every excruciating stroke uh, of that because it would have had that much more impact. I mean, it was you know CBS was trying to save us from from the, from from being in the discomfort of that. Oh yeah, but no, it was amazing to see him come back like that, and I, I just think that, as you said, I agree with you one thousand percent. This this actually this is this was an amazing thing to happen and it just it just it's like the cherry on top of his legend. Well, you know, cuz even at the professional level and I would just take I won't name names but most professionals, even major winners are going to make a 10 on 12 at Augusta and they're not going to, you know, they're pros, so they'll figure it out. They'll go, "Okay, they'll try." But they ain't making five birdies in six holes. No, ex- exactly. Well, you know what? Maybe if we, the, I'm going to do my best. I can't help it. I, I think to extrapolate the learning from that is Tiger's in the moment all the time. I remember yes. even last year when he has like a you know 20 inch putt to win the Masters, uh, you know, to win his 15th. And Jim Nance goes, "I wonder what he's thinking." I said, "Well, you know what? He's not thinking. He's now." Mm-hmm. And Tiger exemplified that on 10. He just hit shot. Oh, that one the creek. Okay, what's the next shot? What's the next shot? What's the next shot? You cannot play golf at that high level unless it's shot after shot after shot. Well, and connecting, you know, Tiger's highest high level of ability to do that. And with my buddy that lost his shit the other day. You know, what that is, because... It was an amalgam of what he's been feeling for three or four holes. It wasn't just that he found his ball in the rough right of the green. It was all the dragging this frustration with him, and then finally he dumped his clubs. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, it, it's not always that moment. It's like you've been keeping it in, and now this this is the last straw. <laughs> you know, it's like absolutely. Well, you know. Okay, you can even go you can go wider and deeper on that. So he plays with a bunch of guys and they do gimme putts all the time. And there's a lot of gimmies in that world. Yeah, yeah well that, like, so, yeah. so what's so what's going on there? Well, they, those guys are afraid that they're gonna get over a, a twenty two inch downhill putt and they're gonna miss. And they're gonna miss it, yeah. And they're not gonna be able to post a score that keeps them a plus handicap. That you know, identity and fear, I mean Folks, you know, when we use words like that around golf and trauma, you go, come really? Honest, folks, it's all just, it's all relative. It's all relative. It's how we view these things and how we experience them. And um, that's why golf is, uh, that's why I think it's the greatest metaphor for life. It just gives us so many amazing lessons if we pay attention. Well, there you go. 
That's, uh, we're like, look at this, 40 seconds away from 60 minutes. Look at this. Wow. Uh, thank you so much to Dr. Ed Collin. Uh, always a great visit with him. Thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in. Thanks to our friends at TaylorMade Golf. Uh, I know some people that are, you know, thinking of things for maybe the off-season. Christmas time will eventually get here, you know, despite the pandemic. And uh, they're always a good group. Uh, TaylorMadeGolf.ca. I'm just trying to Those find... golf balls. How could you ever go wrong giving a golfer that for a gift? Come on. No, exactly. Come on, people. Uh, Tim, O'ConnorGolf.ca. That's how you get a hold of him. Uh, Humble and Fred Show, Monday through Thursday on Funny 820 and at HumbleAndFredRadio.com. And we'll see you in a couple weeks.